I've entitled the message, What is Freedom? What is freedom? In America, we like to talk about freedom and liberty. We know it comes at a high cost, but sometimes we don't really understand exactly what freedom and liberty is biblically. We get confused and we use those words, and when we use those words, we use them out of context and put the word in that does not really mean what we thought it meant when we put it in our sentence or into our thinking. So we're going to go to John chapter 8, verse 31, and we're going to look carefully at 31 through 36, and by looking at it carefully, you can read it on the screen, you can read it in your Bible, and your iPhone, or whatever you might have, but listen very, very, very carefully. Verse 31, the Gospel of John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people, he came to the Jews, to, as God's chosen people, to be the Savior. And here is some early words of Jesus. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. And you know, some did, some didn't. Some thought he was Messiah, some don't. Same thing is true today. Some Jewish people do, some don't. Regardless, they're God's chosen people. No question about it in the Bible. Now, here's what he says. If you continue in my word... Then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, and he said, verily, verily, I say unto you. Now listen very carefully to this. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that thou art Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, that you do that which ye have seen with your father. Now, I want to stop there, and I want you to think with me about these words from the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to remember the context. He's debating religious people. He's talking to a group of not way out sinners. He's talking to people that claim to be religious, but they don't understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ a follower of God through Jesus Christ. God the Father sent his son Jesus in the flesh so we could see how a Christian is to live. And so it's in that context that we're looking today. And as he debates these religious people, he says, you're only going to be free if you obey what I teach. If you don't obey what I teach, then you're not going to be free. Matters not what you call yourself you're not going to be free. Now, today, let me get it right down where we live. Today, a lot of American people say, I'm an American. I am free. I uh, am a, a product of liberty. I have the liberty as an American. I have my Bill of Rights. I have my Constitution. I'm free. I'm a free American, etc., etc., etc. 
The world wants to come to this country. I've had the privilege to travel much of the world. I've talked to others, even one as I was preparing this message, that's been all over the world. And they said, I've never been to a country, nor have I, where I did not run into a lot of people that wanted to come to America. They said they wanted to come to America because they wanted to be free. They wanted to have the liberty that they believe that we have in America, and they wanted to come and be a part of that. We have an oath in our country that we take in the courthouse when we swear uh, and take an oath on the Bible. Our oath reads like this. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. That oath came, and you may or may not know this, from an old Scottish oath that was reworded. Could I tell you the original form of that oath? The old Scottish oath. I pledge before Almighty God, before whom I will give an answer to on the day of judgment, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We've edited it, have we not? We have left off the first part, but ask God to bless what's remaining. And it's caused some problems. It's caused some very, very serious problems. In John 8, 32, as I read it to you a while ago, it says, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, if we don't know the truth, the truth, and he said, I am the truth, so you shall know the truth and I will set you free. Years ago, when I was growing up, and was thinking about college and going to college and where I would go and so forth. Colleges and universities were places where people, students, went seeking truth. That's called an education. You don't want to be educated fool. You want to be educated to the truth. Now, in the period of several decades, that has all changed. Those same schools, those same schools have banned and ignored the teaching of the truth. This has been cut out of their curriculum. Now, granted, we still want to send our kids there. We still want them to get an education there. After all, it was our alma mater. And, you know, once a frog, always a frog or whatever. Once a bear, always a bear. And so we have forgotten that now... Truth has been replaced with error. We have substituted what God says is absolute truth with lies that have been even proven to be lies. But we call it an education, and we call it liberty, and we call it freedom. Well, that creates some problems. I'm fixing to say something that everybody here won't agree with, but I want to tell you my heart. I have no problem whatsoever with young people, including my own grandchildren. I have no problem with them sitting in a room and being taught any religion of the world if, if they will also be taught the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no fear. He that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. But we have gotten so caught up in our anger and in our setting our groups that we began to lash out and not understand, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. It's okay to know what others believe if you know what you believe. And if you know why you believe it. 
You're not, oh, I'm afraid to change their mind. Not if they're blood-bought, born-again child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody's going to get them. They have eternal life. They pass from death into life. The Bible says nobody will snatch them out of their hands. Kids that go off to college and know Jesus Christ personally as their Lord and Savior can stand the attack. But those that go as church members raised in homes and went to church every once in a while, no, they fall like flies. But the Bible says, you shall know the truth. So we can't depend upon our schools of higher education to do that. And by the way, it's not their responsibility to do that. It's the church's responsibility to do that. The Bible has been turned over to the bride of Christ, which is the church, according to the scripture. And the church is to teach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And we are to take the Bible and not say spots of it are inspired and I'm inspired to spot the spots. Now, this was good for them, but this has been changed. And Professor Know Nothing taught me this when I was over at such and such a department of religion. And so, well, no, no, no. See, see where that goes? Now, no book comes close to circulation of this book. 100 million copies were sold of the Bible this year in the world. There's nothing comes close. And yet, this is the attack of so many in America the land of the free and the home of the brave, that a great price has been paid for us to have freedom. But when we ignore the greatest source of freedom, where God said, I will set you free through Jesus Christ, and that can't be taught or said or even believed, well, there's a warning. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and here's what he says about that Roman Empire. Because that, this is verse 21 of Romans chapter 1. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful. But they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In Romans 1.25, who changed the truth of God into a lie, they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The Bible says, as far back as Roman history, people were leaving the truth. They were worshiping their political gods. They were worshiping their monetary gods. They were worshiping their forms of entertainment. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. Are we doing that in America today? Is there any signs of that? Is there a signing of the falling away? Well, I can assure you, if you've read any book that's been written in the last 10 years, you will know that the churches are falling, all of them. Doesn't matter how they're worshiping, they're falling. They're falling because we have used things believing that they are going to be the answer where Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and you get them to me and I'll take care of the situation. And so we have a real challenge before us. We as believers do. There is no question. We have rejected the Ten Commandments. The original law, ten. There wasn't 50 million laws. There was ten. And we rejected them. We cannot use them anymore. We cannot put them in a public place. We cannot put them in a public school. We cannot do that anymore. The Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus preached it. And Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You can read that sermon. It's the red letters that are in there. We've rejected that. That cannot be taught any longer. The Beatitudes. We can't do that anymore. 
That's the truth, but that's rejected. We can't deal with the truth. We have to sort through all the error and pick the best one among all that's wrong. <laughs> that's kind of scary, don't you think? That kind of makes cold chills run up and down my back. Matthew 7, 28 says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine because he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes who were the ones that tried to rationalize sin and tried to explain away sin. But you see, when you lose your foundation, the walls crumble. There's no one that can argue that the moral dams in America have fallen, in the arts, in the theater, in literature, movies, social media, fashions, you name it. It's all fallen. And we sit back and wonder, when's it going to get better? Maybe we need another session of Congress. Maybe we need another, uh, more leaders, different leaders. Maybe we need to do this. Maybe we do this, do that. And God says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. I'll settle this issue. Whoever comes unto me, I will not turn you back. But you've got to turn. You've got to turn from the world and come to God. You can't take God, people, and turn them into the world and think you're going to reach the world. You can't do that. You have to stop and say, what in the world is going on? See, we mirror Romans 1, 18, which says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. When you hold to the Arab, there is no God. There is no heaven again. There is no hell to shun. There's a lot of ways to heaven. And you think, but that is politically correct. It is socially correct. It is the majority correct. But the Lord says, no, no. You have turned to ungodliness and want me to honor you and yours with your rebellion. And he can't do that. He is God. He's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. Now, it's true. God gave the Bible to his people, but he welcomes anybody else to come join us. None are rejected. This was God's book to help his kids grow up. And then he says, Anybody wants to come and join them, as you've heard me say so many times, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and then you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you keep getting things that you've already got, and you wonder, I don't know what's gotten into me. I'll tell you, rebellion, Satan, unrighteousness. The Lord says, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come home. I want this for you. This is not written for the Jews alone. It's not written for the Gentiles. It's written for the whosoever will. But there has to be a turning away from to something that is good. There are clearly two diametrically opposed concepts of liberty and freedom in America. I went to Webster's Dictionary. It says, liberty is the quality or state of being free. I think the Bible agrees with that definition. But the world has another interpretation of it. The world defines liberty 
as the power to do whatever you please. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. And if the law says I'm not, I'm going to protest it because I'm going to do what I want to do. I want it my way. Number two, it is freedom from authority. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. No school teacher, no minister, no public official, nobody, no coach, no nothing. You don't tell me what to do. And they call that liberty. They call that freedom. Also, the world defines liberty as the power to choose, to choose. I can choose if I want to. I have my right to choose to do with my body whatever I want to do with my body. If you've ever read the Bible, you will know it's not your body. This Bible says your body is a temple of the God that made it. And he made your body for a purpose. And for you, even though America, and you fight over freedom to do this, freedom to do that, abortion, whatever, you name the subject, God says, I don't know what y'all are arguing about, but you don't own it. I own it. I bought you. My father created you, and I bought you back with my blood. And you are not free to do what the culture does. You're not free to do what everybody else is doing. You must follow me. And if you're my disciple, you will follow me. If you're not my disciple, you'll fall off the wagon real quick. And you will go instead with the majority. Many people believe that if we can just get rid of the Bible and its teachings, we'll be free. God help us. This Bible, by the way, is to inform us not to enforce the law. It informs us as to what it is. And I would think that every one of us would want to know what the truth is. Is it absent from all controls and everything? Do you really want to live in a society with no restraint? Well, let me put it like this. Okay, let me illustrate. You want to leave this, high, you want to leave this parking lot today and get out on highways that don't have stripes, they don't have one-way signs, they don't have traffic signals, they don't have anything like that. After all, it's your car. And you help pay the taxes for that road. So I'll drive it where I want to, when I want to, as fast as I want to. And if I want to do a U-turn and go back the other way, that's nobody else's business. I'm in control of this. You say, oh, that's silly. I agree. I agree. I'll eat anything I want to. Get away, get away from the health department. We don't need a health department. I mean, if it, if it looks good to me, I'm going to eat it, drink it, swallow it, smoke it, do something to it. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. How about flying? Would you like to go out to Hobby Airport today? And the two guys or two gals that are flying the airplane never got any training. All they knew is they wanted to fly and they got the job. So just sit back there and enjoy your flight. We have no idea where we're going, when we're going to land. But when we get there and we see the fuel, we're going to call the closest airport and say, we're coming in. Clear the field because there is no FAA. After all, they want to control you. Matter of fact, they are so adamant. They have control towers. Did you know that? Yeah, they're telling that pilot. Well, I'll tell you what, if I want to land, I'll take over the controls. <laughs> God help the rest of the people in the plane, right? But see, that's the way we think. But when you find something that's so clear and so easy that a child, six years old today, I was seven, this young lady, giving her heart to Christ, 
Listen, God speaks to his kids. And he don't always use the King James English. Sometimes he speaks in, in smaller lettered words, but he says, I am going to help you understand. When you have people that aren't wanting to do what the creator did and who he gave authority to, and he says that those in authority are rulers over us, he sanctifies government. He understands that that is important. The military, the police force, but in 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If anybody desires to know what would culture be like, what would a society be like if we had no laws? What would it be like? What would it be like if we had no morals, moral codes? What, what would society be like if, if you didn't have to tell the truth when you went to court? What would it be like? You want to know example? Read the Old Testament before Jesus came. Some of the most horrible stories you'll ever read are in the Old Testament. Some of the most unbelievable battles took place. Assassinations, crucifixions, martyrdom, stoning. It didn't get any worse in the Old Testament when it tells the story of before Jesus. But when Jesus came, things began to change. We began to know the truth. We began to see one that loved unconditionally. We learned that other cheek kind of story. Turn the other cheek. We, we learned how to praise God instead of curse God. We learned how to follow God instead of run from God. But you see, the Holy Spirit, which was left behind when Jesus went, he said, I'm going to lead you in all, all truth. And so when people together exposed to truth, some receive it, some reject it, some come to him, some run. Some listen and their lives are changed for good. Some shut their ears and go into life destruction everlasting. So our purpose today is to know what truth is and how to walk in that truth. The Bible tells us that one day we're going to stand before Jesus. Now Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. We're going to stand before the truth, Jesus. And he is going to be the judge. The father is going to notice, what did you do with my gift of my son, Jesus, who died on a cross and shed his blood for you? What did you do with him? Did you receive him and follow him? Or did you reject him and follow the world? And that time is going to come and all of it, all the questioning will be based on, without your putting your hand on a book, the truth. God knows the truth. If we don't answer the truth, he knows that. He doesn't have to look it up on a record. It is there. He is going to judge us. Did we live by the truth? Did we believe the truth? Did we accept the truth? Did we teach the truth? And in all that moment, there's going to be a moving of the power of God through the Holy Spirit and what that, the Bible talks about that judgment where God helps us that are believers 
to see even clearer what an awesome product we were or, or specimen we were of his grace and his forgiveness. The greatest thing he ever created was man. That was his number one thing. When he made male and female, that set the pace. So this morning, we have to discern, and you have to discern, what is the truth. Philosophy is looking for truth. Science is looking for truth. Psychology is looking for truth. Healthcare systems are looking for truth. Medicine, medical field, looking for truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And if you want to know who I am, look to a cross. And if you want to know what power I have, look to an empty tomb. There are many of you that do not know this are sitting here right now. You've seen the cross. Some of you are here because you saw the cross. Don't you dare leave and go to your car until you go by and see what's between that cross and this building. And you're going to see a big pile of rocks and an open tomb. Jesus is alive. He is risen like he said. We're not preaching about a dead God. We're not talking about a historical figure. We're talking about a resurrected, soon-coming Lord Jesus Christ who wants to bless some people if he can find them. And it's harder to find them than it's ever been. For some reason, Satan has put on such a con job with his spiritual makeup that he has taken the millions into bondage and wants to keep them there. Until Jesus comes again. I want to read you a scripture. It's going to save you a lot of time if you'll just listen to this. And you might want to write it down. It'll go on the screen now. John chapter 8, verse 42 through 51. Just continuing a while ago. Let me just read the scripture for you. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you'd love me. Listen to that. If you say, I believe in God, he's my father, what do you love Jesus? If God were your father, you'd love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but God sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why don't you understand what I'm saying? Even because you cannot hear my word. You're of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father, you're going to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, Jesus says, you won't believe me. Which of you convinces me of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He says in verse 46, how in the world can you tell me that the way of sin is the best way to live your life? He said, you're not going to convince me of that. But if I say the truth, why do you not believe? Verse 47, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. A lot of people don't hear them because they don't listen for them. A lot of people don't know the Bible because they don't read the Bible. That's what he's saying here. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, verse 48, Say, we not well that thou art a Samaritan and you have a devil. And Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father. And you do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There's one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, listen, if a man keep my saying, he shall never, ever see 
death. Physical death, yes. Eternal death, no. Verse 52, then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who makest thou myself? And Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you've not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and I keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and thou hast seen Abraham. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham I am. You don't tell Jesus about history. He is history. And he wants to say to you, I love you. He wants to say to you, I want to forgive you. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. I want to give you rest. The time is short. We all know that every day, every hour, we're closer to standing face in face with the God who will either receive us or reject us. And it'll all be determined not by keeping the law, but by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're on this journey. We're on our way. We're bound for the promised land. So we need to ask ourselves two questions. Number one, who am I? Number two, who is Jesus? I'll let you do that this afternoon. Who am I? And who is Jesus? So it might help you. I'll give you three things to look at when you get home. Job said in the Old Testament, 1925, here's what he said. For I know that my Redeemer lives, that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Paul came along, the Jewish man that I told you about that was so gifted, and he wrote young Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, and he said this, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, before I, because I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And then, if Job and Paul don't satisfy you, Jesus said in John 20, 31, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through him. Would you like to have life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness? You know where it is? It's very clear. It's in Jesus Christ. He wants you to get into his arms and let him carry you wherever he leads and one day take you home to be with him. Truth leads us to freedom. And that freedom gives us an opportunity to live for God. Our freedom comes when, when God, through the Holy Spirit, becomes the one that stands against the enemy. He stands against the enemy and he says, don't, you don't want to touch my anointed ones. I am going to keep you in perfect peace if your heart is fixed on me. That's what he says to you. And that's what he says to me. Remember what, when we started, we're talking about freedom. Freedom from the penalty of sin. 
He takes our place. From the power of sin, he no longer dominates sin, no longer dominates our life when we come to Jesus. And ultimately, from the very presence of sin when we get to heaven. You know that old song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be? There'll be two reasons. Number one is we'll see Jesus. Number two is we're never going to be tempted again. We can't ever say, devil made me do it. We can't ever say, well, I almost did it and I was just tempted, you know. I told them it was wrong. I tried to change their mind, but I didn't, so I just joined them. That's not going to happen when we get to heaven. We're not going to have any temptation. We're just going to praise him and love him and, and rejoice with him and fellowship with one another in that place that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Closing scripture, Proverbs 16, 24 says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. You know what that way is? It comes most of the time, I'm going to clean up my life. I'm going to stop some of this stuff. I'm going to straighten it out. You can't do that. You have to invite Jesus into your life, and then he'll do it. And then Joshua 24, 15, when that mighty man that had such a great family that he loved very, very much, here's what he said in the 15th verse of Joshua 24. He says, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day who you're going to serve, whether it's the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you've got a man of God that's leading a family to take that stand and say, as for me and my house, I'm going to be a man. I'm not going to leave the kids for mother to raise. I'm going to stand up for God. When the devil comes, I'm going to fight it off. But I know one thing. When Jesus comes, it's going to be quicker than a 911 call. It's going to be a moment in a twinkling of the eye, and you better be ready. Because you're not going to be able to grab your iPhone or clean out your liquor cabinet or clean up your voice and vocabulary. You're going to be with the Lord. And So the thing is, have you been set free? Because if it's freedom, and he's going to take us to eternal freedom. Praise the Lord. If not, why not?